0: UFO Thinker podcast. Hello, my name's Frank, and I'm the host of the UFO Thinker podcast. I'd always been mildly interested in UFOs, but like many people, the events of 2017 ignited a fire of curiosity for the UFO topic, which has been raging ever since. I wanted to start a podcast, but initially thought, well, I'm not an astrophysicist, I'm not a fighter pilot, and I've never even seen a UFO, I'm just a normal guy who's interested in this mystery, but that's when a light bulb went off. There are so many other people, just like me, who are fascinated with this stuff, so why not start a podcast to talk about it from the ordinary guy's perspective? All the BS stripped away, as a few people have said, and let's see if we can get to the truth in all of this. Thanks to everyone who's been on board with the journey so far. It's been amazing to see so many listeners tuning in. And if you're new here, welcome. You can now support the podcast on Patreon, with tiers starting from £3 per month. The podcast will always be 100% free but supporting the show in this way allows me to devote more time and make the show bigger and better. Higher tiers also include special benefits such as being able to suggest episode topics and get merchandise and I really truly appreciate every listener whether you support on Patreon or not. So now with all of that said let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name's Frank, and let's get cracking. So today is going to be a recent events episode talking about some of the things that have been going on over the last week or so. But just before we get into the actual topics, I just wanted to make a quick request. And if you do enjoy the podcast and you get something from it, please do leave a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. Preferably, obviously, a five star review would be wonderful if you do enjoy the podcast. And the reason I ask that is apparently I'm only just getting my head around all this kind of stuff, uh, but algorithms and all this, the way that all works is the more good reviews there are on the podcast, the more the algorithm basically recommends it to other people who may not know about the podcast already. And it's always good to get more people involved. And, you know, as the podcast grows, and, you know, hopefully I'll be able to dedicate more time to this and also. It's just great to get more people involved in the topic. And um, I I get a lot of people getting in touch with me saying that they found out about the podcast through a Spotify recommendation and things like that. So it really does help. Um, However you listen to the podcast, whatever platform please consider leaving a review if you want to support. And uh, on Spotify for example, you literally just go to the UFO Thinker podcast like page and just underneath where the description of the podcast is, there's a little review and it says like how many reviews there are and it's a rating out of out of 5 stars. So obviously, if you do get a lot from the podcast, please do that. And if you want to go a step further, i have a patreon as well and the patreon basically is a website where you can support the podcast financially uh, for as like two pounds a month uh, and there are, there are other tiers where you get more benefits if you did want to pledge a little bit more per month and again that really helps because it does actually take quite a lot of time to do these episodes especially the recent events ones because i really try to do my due diligence fact checking and making sure i quote things correctly etc so it really does help to have the support and the more support the more content basically but anyway with that said i mean the most important thing is thank you for listening to the podcast and if you feel like you get a lot out of it then maybe consider supporting another way but the the best way to do it completely for free that only takes a few seconds is to leave a five star review if you do get something out of the podcast so i thought i'd get that in at the beginning this time i usually do it at the end Mix things up a bit. Anyway, let's get cracking with the actual recent events of the last week or so. So, in my recent events episode that I did last week, I was talking about an article or a couple of articles really that had come out talking about the ousting of gary reed and if you've missed that i won't go into the the background of this too much uh, because i talked about it at great length in that previous episode and there has been numerous articles about this if you follow this topic so you probably will have heard about it and yeah if, if you're not sure what i'm talking about here obviously go back and listen to the previous episode so according to an article another article a new one that came out over the last few days the article is entitled Gary Reed's departure is just the start expect more fireworks and this was on Liberation Times by Christopher Sharp who I've actually had on the show recently I always like to support Liberation Times I think they do uh, excellent work really interesting articles all about the UFO topic and um, associated kind of other topics as well and uh, basically according to this article the person currently doing the previous duties of Gary Reed who was uh, moved from his, his his initial role to another role I believe within the DIA now and um, his his uh, replacement who's temporarily carrying out his, his his work is Tara Jones now this is significant because, reed was recently re- reported by the debrief as being ousted as a result of various misconduct allegations and these included uh, sexual harassment a disastrous mishandling of the afghanistan refugee evacuation and a, a pursuit of a vendetta against luella zondo as well as the fact that reed played a significant part in holding back progress on the ufo topic now it's not exactly clear what specific thing caused the ousting Uh, but it's become clear now that after some doubt around it initially, that Gary Reid has been removed from his position and is now doing a different role. There was some kind of speculation as to whether or not that was accurate, what was being reported by Tim McMillan in the debrief about Gary Reed's ousting, but, and a lot of people questioned the anonymous sources involved in that who didn't want to be named because it wasn't officially known yet. But lo and behold, it turns out those sources were correct and it's now been confirmed to brian bender that he has been removed from his role and he is now actually he's not just been completely removed altogether from government employment he's now doing a different role in a different department but still it does prove that the those sources and the initial reporting done by tim mcmillan was correct and he has been out- ousted so brian bender reported on the 23rd of april that Gary Reed had been reassigned to the Defence Intelligence Agency and that an interim director for defence intelligence, counterintelligence, law enforcement and security will be appointed in the near future. So basically confirming that Gary Reed has been removed from his role. However, according to the article written by Chris Sharp, Tara Jones is currently acting in that role. Now, a lot of people came out of the woodwork and there was a lot of controversy about this over the last few days with people claiming that it's not the case and it's not been confirmed and having an issue particularly with the fact that this has been confirmed to Chris by anonymous sources. And a particular point of contention was the fact that according to official Pentagon press releases and statements, nobody has been appointed to the role to replace Gary Reed just yet. Now, in my opinion it's kind of not seeing the wood for the trees there because it stands to reason that tara jones having previously been the deputy director for defense intelligence and the actual director for defense intelligence has been removed from his role it does seem quite clear that she would temporarily take over the role anyway it's just logical common sense and considering this has been confirmed by inside sources as well I think it's fairly safe to assume that that's what's happening although we can't say that that is a hundred percent now the thing is people focused on some very in my opinion insignificant details which for me sort of loses the main and most important points of what's going on here I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase not seeing the wood for the trees might be a UK thing but that's basically what it means So, first of all, people said that Chris had misreported because he said that Gary Reid had been removed of his duties within the US government in a previous article. And the thing is, he has been removed of his duties within the US government. It's just that he's now been reassigned new duties in a different department. But just because he's got new responsibilities in another role, to me, that doesn't mean that that initial statement that he'd been relieved of his duties was incorrect the important point there is that gary reed who's an individual who's in a role which significantly impacts the ufo topic which is why it's worth talking about it here and obviously other people have been talking about it this man personally pursued a vendetta against lou elizondo and he's now been removed from his role now in in my opinion this fully backed up what Elizondo has been saying for a long time, which is that there's been individuals in his old office who are significantly holding back progress on this topic. Not only that, going after him and making his life very difficult as part of a a vendetta which stems from Lou's uh, initial resignation. So, my point here is why bother arguing about the finer points of a specific phrase and whether the wording was correct and all that? Because to me, that does completely miss the point of the bigger hit picture here. That, you know, Lou has basically been vindicated. He's been proven right from something that he's been saying for years now. And a major obstacle has been removed, which was formerly in the path of progress on the UFO topic. So in my opinion, what is a continuing concern here is that the people who may have been allied to this individual, Gary Reed. Are still in place doing roles and that's kind of what Chris's article suggests here is that a former ally of Reed who has actually overlooked some of his misconduct apparently and and probably worked with him in in collaborative efforts he she is now doing his former role so the other issue here is that a lot of people don't like this use of anonymous sources now I do understand the frustration with that because you know it's not the ideal situation is it you know it it is a lot easier to make a proper judgment on something when you know exactly where the information is coming from and you can consider you know the person who's who's bringing this information forward etc but as i've talked about in an episode you know recent episodes in general in this topic particularly with things relating to the inner workings of the pentagon and the u.s government actually sometimes the best way to get the big picture is actually through anonymous sources whether we like it or not you just have to take it with a pinch of salt you know you can't just completely accept something coming from anonymous source but you can take that information and and use it to form part of the bigger picture Tim McMillan put this perfectly when he did a recent interview last week or so because Tim McMillan had also come under fire for having written a piece using information through anonymous sources. Although the main points he was making in his article, I don't think relied on those sources. But anyway, the, um, the points that were made, just to reiterate is, like I say, I talked about this on previous episodes, but Tim, Tim made the point that you're not necessarily going to hear the full story from the pentagon's press office as they have to uh, abide by a legal process and they have a certain line that they have to put out for example there was a lot of controversy of over whether or not gary reed actually had been fired at all when tim's initial piece came out on the debrief people questioned whether you know the information could be trusted that was in the articles it was coming from anonymous sources and anyway lo and behold a few days later it was confirmed that he had been ousted and reassigned to another role so it turns out the sources there were correct all along and the point is there's anonymous sources and then there's anonymous sources and the important thing is who is actually reporting on this anonymous source what's the track record of the person that is reporting this it's inevitable that you're going to come up against people who want to give you information. If you're looking into any sensitive topic, you know, including this one, but those people who are giving you information might not want to go on record with it for various reasons. They might not want to put their own name behind it. I mean, I myself have found this out and I've only been looking into this topic and doing the podcast for about a year. now. I've been looking into the the topic for a couple of years, you know, a few years, but doing the podcast for about a year or so, And as you may have heard me talk about in the past, I've reached out to people quite a lot, you know, over the course of doing research. I've sent out a lot of emails and still do on a regular basis. And a lot of these people that that I reach out to, to ask questions and so on, for various reasons, they might not want to go on record, but they will be open to giving you information. And as I said, obviously, this information can form a valuable part of the bigger picture, and if you ignore it you will miss that bigger picture and it's it's a bit baffling to me that people don't want to see the bigger picture sometimes just because they have a bee in their bonnet about anonymous sources and would rather trust the pentagon press office which is clearly you know historically has put out contradicting and conflicting information over the last couple of years and i think everybody agrees on that even if you know however you know, you, where your kind of opinion falls on, on some of the other things. I think everyone would agree that the, the Pentagon's official statements have been very confusing and conflicting. So why would we trust them, you know, to the letter when it comes to th- other statements that they make? You know, you're obviously not going to get the full story. And not only that, this particular office has also had... You know been strong armed by an individual who's clearly got a, a vendetta against lou Zondo and played an active part in discrediting lou elizondo after having previously made threats that he would do so i'm talking about gary reed obviously here so this is an individual who has now been revealed to be you know to put it bluntly a bit of a scumbag you know harassing female coworkers creating a, a terrible environment to work in mishandling crisis situations holding back progress on the UFO topic you know the list goes on and on and and this particular you know this particular person according to Luella Zondo Gary Reed had been actively working with Susan Goff the Pentagon spokesperson which would suggest logically in my opinion that the statements coming out through the Pentagon would be heavily influenced by this vendetta being pursued against uh, luella zondo by gary reed and you add to the fact that atip is supposedly fire exempt which has been mentioned by various people actively involved in it it makes sense that the pentagon statement would deny that luella zondo was even involved in it or it, whether or not it had anything to do with ufos you know although um there are different viewpoints on this FOIA exemption thing there are people who know a lot about FOIA who would say that that's not the correct wording but it you know whether or not again that's the correct wording other people may argue that that's a very significant point that it's not exempt it's just that it's it's um not it doesn't have to be fully disclosed you can still find documents and things but those documents will be heavily redacted you know, it, again, it essentially is the same thing. You're not going to be able to find out the full extent of information about what went on with A Tip and Lou Elizondo through for you because they're going to stop that from being known. So, again, arguing about the exact wording to me is, is sort of missing the the bigger picture a little bit. But anyway, to conclude, because I could just talk about this for hours, and I don't want to do that. It's pretty clear in my opinion that Lou Elizondo ran A Tip. And i think anybody who's still arguing about that point needs to just move on i think everything points towards the fact that lou elizondo did run a tip and there's just so many people you know that that are backing this this version of events up that i think you should just accept it and if other very important information comes to light down the line to contradict that, then obviously, you know, change your mind. I mean, that's what I do anyway. I'm not saying you should do anything as the listener, you can do whatever you want, but that's, that's how I have, uh, have been approaching this. And I do think it's quite clear that in this situation, you can't always necessarily rely on the statements that have been released by the Pentagon, because at this point, it's not clear that those statements are reliable and even if they are reliable they may not be able to say anything about certain things such as Lou Elizondo's involvement in ATIP and you know even if they know full well what his role was they might not be able to release that information or any other information relating to ATIP I just think it's one of those things where you have to look at the bigger picture and to believe that Lou Elizondo didn't run ATIP for example believe it or not there are still people who think that it just relies on a a massive conspiracy involving dozens of people, highly credible with good track records, all lying, you know, for that to work. Now, yeah, it's a messy picture when, when you look at ATIP and Llewelly Zondo and all the previous statements that have been made, etc. It's difficult to get to the bottom of exactly and to find out exactly what went on and things like that. And yes, there are a number of extremely confusing aspects to it, And I'm not saying that I know any of this for an absolute fact because I wasn't there working on those programmes, working alongside those people. So we're never going to know exactly, you know. But I think when you bear all that in mind that I've just talked about, it's even more important to, you know, look at the nuance and the bigger picture and not just rely on, you know, the actual line coming directly from the Pentagon itself. Through the Pentagon spokesperson, I mean, that just seems pretty obvious to me at this point now there's been a few characters come out to criticize chris sharp about the way that he wrote these articles and there are also people criticizing tim mcmillan for very similar reasons recently in particular the criticism of of chris was pretty ridiculous went a bit went a bit too far in, in my opinion and the way it was done was was unfair with with certain people actually suggesting that people shouldn't do interviews with chris and refuse to do interviews with him etc which is just sad to see especially coming from established journalists who would you know you would think would try to help up-and-coming journalists like chris and you know with a relatively new publication platform that in my opinion should we should support and i also think that there's a bit of jealousy involved in the fact that you know, Liberation Times is obviously having, you know, quite a lot of success and a lot of support. And there's maybe a certain amount of bit bitterness coming from some of these other longer established journalists. But anyway there was a lot of controversy around all of this and i think chris eventually you know decided to take a break from it all and uh, came off twitter but i can confirm chris is okay so nobody needs to worry about him i've spoken to him he's a very resilient individual in my opinion excellent at what he does and he will definitely be back and liberation times i'm sure will go from strength to strength and from now we're going to move on and focus on uh, an actual interview with Lou elizondo which is a nice segue from what we were just talking about so the other day Lou Elizondo did an interview with uh, UFO Jesus so this was a really really good interview from Ryan Robbins aka Post Disclosure World aka aka more commonly known as UFO Jesus now for anybody who's not aware of UFO Jesus don't let the name put you off because we're not talking about somebody here as who has pro- proclaimed themselves as UFO Jesus or the Jesus of UFOs or whatever, as it may appear if you're not familiar with the man. Uh, it, it's actually just a nickname which people refer to him as because he sort of has the appearance of, of, you know, the, the historical character sort of long hair and a beard and sort of looks a bit like Jesus. So, it's just a bit of a joke and not to be taken too seriously and in fact his actual channel is called post-disclosure world not ufo jesus and ryan actually does a lot of tweets on twitter with with insights into the ufo topic and his kind of thoughts on day-to-day events and so on and also short video clips dealing with the same kinds of things and one thing i really respect about ryan his his thoughtful nature for a start but also his respectful way of debating people online. I can't remember a time when I saw him insult anybody, you know. He has a lot of debates, you know, he must take a lot of time out of his day to to have conversations with people, but he tends to always keep it respectful. In fact, my my own approach is quite similar. I've I've really tried to do that, openly debate people on Twitter occasionally when I have the time to do so, but I've always tried to have a, a line of remaining respectful, even with people that I completely disagree with. So, fair play to Ryan and it was great to see him interview Luella Zondo with Ryan's kind of in-depth knowledge on the topic and his like admirable approach admirable approach to to you know to doing things. So Ryan was very passionate in his interview and was quite animated and I think what I really liked about it was that he dared to ask Luella Zondo some things that I think perhaps other people may you know shy away from and i think people sometimes tread a little bit too carefully when it comes to talking to Zondo, especially these days because some of the most interesting things that i've heard him talk about recently have come as a result of some slightly more unorthodox questions when he was recently on the linda Moulton how interview i thought similar things really linda asked some questions that a lot of people would say are, you know quite out there basically But I thought it was actually really interesting to see how Lou responded to those questions, and um, similarly, some of the things that Ryan asked Lou about were things that you know I really hoped people would ask him. You know, because it's interesting to see how he responds, even if they are a bit out there. The worst he's going to be able to do is say, "Look, I can't talk about that," or you know, it's. I think it's it's good to just ask Lou whatever it is you're interested about, because you know he's not going to take offence so let's get into a few of the things that were actually discussed but obviously i would always recommend to actually go and watch the entire video it's actually quite short it's about 37 minutes long and i really think every moment of this interview was was very important and worth worth listening to Luella zondo does a lot of interviews but this one is really worth watching and so if even if you don't watch all of lou's interviews go and watch this one because it was very very good and um yeah i mean it always helps to support you know the person who did the interview as well so obviously supporting somebody like ryan you know go and watch the video on his channel and it helps to you know help his, his his channel you know gain in popularity and things like that and if we want to see certain people continue to work in this topic you know you have to support them anyway let's get into the actual points that we discussed in this interview so One of the first points that was very interesting to me was that Lou confirms here, which he has mentioned in the past, but he talks about it in a lot more detail here, that after Lou's resignation as the director of ATIP, it was his deputy from that time who then went on to become the leader of the UAP task force. Now, Lou says that Gary Reed was working behind channels, as Lou puts it, to make his life hell. That that is the 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 deputy who took over as the leader of the UA, UAP task force, as well as obviously making Lou Elizondo's life very difficult for four years as well. Obviously, that makes sense that this is the case, as Gary Reed was listed as the main person in Lou's uh, IG complaint, which is apparently ongoing. As I've said before, Lou's criticism of Gary Reed in the past now does appear to be justified, which is another thing to sort of back up the credibility of, of what Lou Elizondo has been talking about. Obviously, there is a lot of talk about Lou Elizondo in, in what I'm doing today with this episode. And obviously, you can make up your mind what you think of Lou. There is a whole range of opinions about the man. But in my opinion, Lou Elizondo is the real deal he really did run a tip which was a ufo program and everything points to that in my opinion when you look at the bigger picture apart from obviously the misleading and confusing statements coming from the pentagon you know the from the spokesperson and things like that but actually even that itself kind of backs up the version of events because the fact that they're backtracking and making confusing statements and conflicting statements almost in itself kind of backs up the fact that if something was going on here they probably would do that to kind of create an environment of confusion and when you consider that the pentagon spokesperson was in league with gary reed who now we know to have been confirmed to be a very problematic individual for various reasons I mentioned earlier. Again, it does all seem to back up Lou's track record as being reliable. And when you consider that the person you know who is the pentagon spokesperson was liaising with somebody with a a vendetta against lou elizondo it does go some way to explain why there has been these really confusing statements seeming to downplay the involvement of lou elizondo in atip and and to discredit atip and things in general but anyway not to go back to that too much so lou goes on to say that that gary reed had worked with others to minimize discussion of this topic and that those people are still there and quote i'm not done yet gary reed was the first domino to fall there's others and those individuals are going to be held accountable too unquote lou goes on to say about how there's a right way and a wrong way to go about this kind of thing and i actually think that the way that this gary reed situation has been handled has been the right way Uh, lewis said this in the past that he wanted to do things the right way in terms of his ig complaint and go through proper legal processes and allow things to play out the way they should with those legal processes now It's not clear that it was lou's ig complaint directly that's led to the dismissal of reed however lou did make the point in a couple of interviews that he could have just kind of thrown gary reed under the bus and you know come out and started slating gary reed publicly years ago on podcasts and things but he didn't do that in fact he was very hesitant to criticize him at all and which again sort of shows me that lou elizondo is really trying to handle things the right way and again boosts kind of his track record and his credibility in my opinion lou goes on to say that there's a right and a wrong way to go go about actually detangling the last 70 years worth of ufo information and that he's not trying to implicate anyone or get anyone into trouble and i think that's correct and the right way to do it because there are a lot of people over the years that have been involved in this topic who may have done things which would be frowned upon maybe even worse than that maybe terrible things then we know that that's been the case but we do have to remember that these people may have done that in the interests of national security because they believed it was the right thing to do you know what lou seems to be strongly advocated in this particular interview which i've heard him do before but he reiterates it here is to start from now and to be honest and transparent with the american people in a way that doesn't reveal sources you know sources and methods doesn't just open pandora's box you know we're talking about more transparency rather than complete transparency which i think personally is logical and fair i know a lot of people just want the the floodgates to be thrown open but it's not responsible to do that and we are going to have to make compromises in my opinion if we're going to actually try and increase transparency so moving on from that this was a great question and uh, what, what Ryan actually asked Lou here is what is being presented in these classified briefings? Long story short, obviously, again, listen to the full interview for the, the context and to get the full, you know, the full picture. And Lou answers that by saying that what they're seeing is very compelling. High definition videos, photographs of things taken from some very sensitive platforms. On a weekly basis, we are getting new information. Just this week alone, we have two more very interesting incidents coming out of two different opposite AORs, which I believe stands for areas of responsibility. So again, he has said that in a few recent interviews, but I thought that was quite notable that he said just this week there were two very interesting incidents from two completely separate areas. It did make me think when he says two different opposite AORs as well, could he be talking about the east coast and the west coast of america that would sort of suggest opposite wouldn't it i mean i can't think of of another way really that you could say op why would you say opposite unless you were talking about two sides and as we know there have been various different sightings on the east coast and the west coast of the united states so i would imagine that that's probably what he's talking about there but that is my own interpretation and I think probably my favourite question from this interview, which was really a fantastic question, and I don't know why anybody's not asked this to Lou before, but anyway, I'm glad it's been asked now. Ryan gives a Dr. Bernard Haish quote. Quote sources tell me that this is just the tip of the iceberg. A group of four related but separate unacknowledged SCI programmes tracing back to a 1947 Truman memorandum still exist and were housed as part of the 1990s at major aerospace companies such as Lockheed, TRW, Raytheon Aerospace Corp, etc. The programmes collectively have budgets in the £10 range and up topics apparently include both reverse engineering and extraterrestrial biology unquote ryan says i have no clue if there's any validity to that at all but basically his concern is that if there are indeed programs with decades of experience looking into this stuff how does a new office like the aoimsg even go about trying to get to the bottom of this if there already if there are already programs that exist that have been looking into this for decades basically it's kind of a you know a massive waste of taxpayers money to set up another program when there are already existing programs that exist with you know a, a big databases and potentially quite a lot of progress and it's kind of a problem how do we address this if that indeed is true now obviously some of that is my paraphrasing go and watch the the full interview for the, the whole thing but i think that's basically the point ryan was trying to get across there and lou responds to that very very interestingly indeed saying the following quote do you know ryan i'd go one step beyond that i'm not so sure that it's theoretical unquote Lou then goes on to say that he thinks there needs to be efforts in place to make sure there are any knowledge that's actually gained from those previous efforts needs to come under this single umbrella, as he puts it, so that we're not wasting taxpayers' money and time. And he says, quote, I'm really glad you bring this up because I think it's very important. One of the top five most important things that we need to figure out within the government. You know, I've never been asked that before, unquote lou then goes on to talk about some kind of amnesty program as i alluded to earlier that people can come in out of the cold and you know i I think that's a bit of an unpopular viewpoint but i think that it probably does have to be the case because how else are you going to break down these walls between long secret locked up programs you know tangled up in you know shrouds of secrecy and involvement of you know private aerospace for secrecy and plausible deniability reasons you know people potentially could have been implicated in illegal activities to keep that secrecy over the decades and there's so much difficulty there legally and that kind of thing that i do think the only way to increase transparency is with some kind of amnesty program and what lou suggested is a time limited amnesty for people to be able to come forward and be honest about what's taken place and to allow these efforts to all be combined together and more transparency within you know more transparency with the american public in a way that is safe and rational and it's very interesting because i've heard lou talk about legacy programs before and this actually ties in with something i saw on uh, vinnie adams disclosure team uh, youtube channel recently where he did an interview with dr david clark who is a uh, long-term ufo researcher and uh, also a lecturer at um sheffield hallam university and he i mean david clark's track record speaks to itself he's been he's been looking into this topic for a long long time doing FOIA requests combing through documents and one of the really interesting things that he said was during the 90s there was um, a uk intelligence department document that he found talking about ufos directly which actually says that they have communicated this with their u.s counterparts Now in the 90s there supposedly wasn't a US counterpart so it does suggest that there were indeed programs that have been going on probably ever since the 1940s and that these documents actually prove the existence of a US UFO program which many suspect to be the case but that to me seems like definitive proof that it actually is the case. Obviously, the the public comments from the US government about this were that they were no longer looking into anything, there's nothing to see here. As we know, that turned out to be false, because when we found out that OSAP and ATIP actually existed, then obviously it contradicts the previous statements that had been made so it's not really a surprise to find out that there may have been further programs which potentially go back decades before that which are locked up even tighter than what rsap and atip were but anyway very interesting to hear loose comments about that and in terms of the four programs i've heard this going back quite some years i remember jeremy carbell saying that there were f- there were multiple programs and that that we would hear more about four of them in particular i think that's the exact way that he put it and when you consider that jeremy carbell works closely with george knapp and they basically have access to the same sources and the same information i think it's worth considering that as as you know a, an important piece of the puzzle and Again, I remember Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp in particular really talking about ATIP and ORSAP years ago before any of it was public knowledge and you know, very clearly saying that we would hear more about this as time went along. And it turned out to be exactly like that. I mean, we did. It, it, first we heard about ATIP and then the full extent of what we know, now know about ORSAP came to light. So based on their track record, I think it's safe to assume that you know they may have heard that there might be some credibility to that information basically and if that is the case it would also confirm things that eric davis has mentioned that there are multiple programs as well and that they're well funded and and it goes back to that dr bernard Hayes quote that i said earlier on which talks about those four programs and that they're the funded to the tune of 10 billion and up if all of this is the case, it's hugely significant and it might actually be that A, A- tip and Orsarp were just the tip of the iceberg. But anyway moving on i thought this interview was absolutely brilliant i thought it was a great example of how you should just ask lou the questions that you want to know the answers to because i think that people have been scared to ask him certain things and it was great to really see the passion of ryan and it was really interesting to see lou's comments at the end where he talks about people on the inside who are actively on the side of increased transparency paying attention to what ryan says uh, on some of his videos which must have been a great you know vindication for ryan really you know he's been working hard on this for years and years a lot longer than than i have so it was great to see it was great to see ryan get that validation as well after all his hard work and his carefully considered viewpoints on this topic so having dealt with all the things that were really interesting about that interview i just wanted to make a couple of other points in general about lou elizondo so this is turning out to be the Lou Elizondo show, as a, a wise man <laughs> once said. Shout out Robert Salas, the, the the G that he is. So, yeah, if you're not a big Lou Elizondo fan, I can only apologise, but let's... I mean, for, for, in my opinion, you know, Lou Elizondo somebody that we should be listening to. But anyway, the thing is all of this does get into a slightly more complex topic as well of the worry that luella zondo is up on a pedestal now there's been a lot of discussion about this on twitter of late uh, of who you can trust within the ufo topic and you know some people think luella zondo being idolized too much and all this kind of thing now i do understand those concerns i'm not saying that luella zondo you know, is like the be all and end all because i think there's definitely a danger in putting all of our eggs in one basket in that way but i just think that you know there shouldn't be any one person that should be put on a pedestal and there are multiple different angles that good information comes in from you know in this ufo topic i've seen a lot of people posting things along the lines of who can be trusted and who can't be trusted you know in the ufo topic recently but how about just don't trust anyone don't worship anyone as a celebrity or you know some kind of a the, the you know the sole holder of the truth and just analyze all the information that comes forward from everybody and decide what you think is trustworthy information and what is not trustworthy information most importantly be open to changing your mind on that judgment once time goes along and new information comes to light and everything should just be on a case-by-case basis there's times when i've criticized you know what has been said by lou there's times when i think he shared articles that perhaps shouldn't really have been shared maybe he should have you know checked out the sourcing of that article before posting on twitter and you know there's times when you know there's there's lou has criticized elements of the ufo community that i thought was perhaps a bit unwarranted At the end of the day nobody Perfect, and I don't understand why it has to be Lou Elizondo is the savior of the UFO topic, or Lou Elizondo is this you know disinformation agent who's trying to bring down UFO ufology. I think the truth is probably somewhere in between. You know, he's a human being who makes mistakes sometimes, we can't trust every single word that comes out of his mouth, but overall, why would you not focus on and give a lot of attention? to the man who literally ran the ufo program within the pentagon you know you'd have to be insane to disregard what he says altogether because he is one of the best sources of good information on what the government has really been up to over the last decade or two now even within that it all depends on where you sit because there are people who think that actually why are we even looking to the government for validation on this when people see it and have experiences all the time that's a valid viewpoint too You know, not only that though, due to the level of positions that Lou Elizondo has held, he may know a lot more of what's actually going on, even beyond ATIP. Now, this is where we go into the realms of speculation and conjecture and supposition. So, you know, bear that in mind with what I'm about to say. But I think that based on what I've heard of a lot of different people talking about who've been involved in these programs that there are levels to this and that atip and orsap are probably just the tip of the iceberg as i mentioned just now jeremy corbell has said in the past at george knapp about these four ufo programs that are well funded interconnected and that we'll probably hear about them at some point but we're talking multiple programs probably potentially even more than that four and other people have mentioned similar things and as I said, Lou Elizondo's talked about these legacy programs as he talked about and confirms very explicitly in that UFO Jesus interview. And I actually heard that Dr. David Clark thing hearing from here in the UK about that document that I mentioned earlier. And that goes back to the nineties. So in all likelihood, there's been ongoing UFO programs deeply buried within the U S government for decades and i think it's probably likely that there are these multiple better funded ufo programs than what we actually see with orsap and atip chris Mellon's comments that he attended the briefings on the hill by eric davis and he's familiar with his arguments uh, as he as he put it and that eric davis tried to point congress in the direction of where to find these programs That suggests to me that even Eric Davis and Mellon and possibly even Lou Elizondo weren't able to access these other programs, but perhaps they were aware of them. They were frustrated with the progress of the actual programs that they were involved in and they tried to find out roughly where to look or maybe they knew where to look and to try to get access to the information held in these programs. Potentially they pursued various different lines of investigation to try to get to that information eric davis has basically said things along the lines of that himself in interviews chris mellon has suggested that, that that's the case in it with his comments and we've also heard from george Knapp, jeremy Corbell and, and lou elizondo very recently now confirming that legacy programs are, are a thing and that even the current programs that the, there are even current programs that the, the public aren't aware of all of this points to me to the fact that there are multiple other programs, probably wrapped up in private industry, very, very well-funded, off the books. And it's these programs that have access to things like crash re- crash retrieval materials, reverse engineering efforts, metamaterials, and, and things of that nature. And there's probably levels to it. I mean, I've talked about this recently. It's a little quite proud of this actually the, the little uh, designation that i've made here which is that there's probably four levels to all of this so think of it as levels one two three and four level one is the public and there's varying degrees of levels bearing in mind as well but you can't have like 50 levels it gets confusing let's keep it to four level one the public there's varying degrees of awareness about the ufo topic but generally people you know the the, the mass amount of people that exist in the world don't really have much knowledge about all of this stuff other than what they've seen in movies and then there are people obviously within the ufo community who look into this stuff all the time very interested in it and that's all kind of you know bundled up into this level one level two is the people who are actually In these congressional committees and things like that who were present for the briefings that people like eric davis gives and these same people or you know some other people perhaps within this category are also able to see things like the classified version of the uap task force report potentially having seen videos and footage and you know photographs that that the people even the most hardcore ufo investigators aren't able to see all of that is level two then you've got level three which is people like eric davis lou elizondo who have actually been read into government ufo programs and they're going to know more than what the level twos know because obviously they're the ones giving the briefings to the level two people but in my opinion there is also a level four which is probably these legacy programs these programs that are still ongoing that are completely not known about by the public at this point in time and those programs in my opinion are the ones that your level threes are trying to get access to and they've pursued over the years various different angles to try to get access to the information held within these level four programs and it's just a coincidence. I've been joking with uh, Dave Smethurst about this. When we talk offline, that the four programs and level four is just a, a happy coincidence. But, you know, if you consider that, you know, Eric Davis, Lou Elizondo, all of these people who've managed to, you know, be involved in actual official government UFO programs, they have been trying to get access through these various different angles. And, one of these angles could potentially be harry reid applying for sap status or for the atip program which is basically the rsap program it was just nicknamed atip i believe at that time and i have heard people discussing the fact that if rsap was classed as a sap it may open up certain channels of communication with other saps that wouldn't be available if atip wasn't a or rsap wasn't a sap So I'm not exactly sure about the nuance of how that works, but that's what I've heard people discussing. Also then, you know, down the line we know that that was rejected and RSAP wasn't granted sap status again the reasons for that are debatable but still we know that that wasn't the case and then probably down the line eric davis and, and and others have then tried to go down a different path of raising congressional awareness to pass legislation to allow them to be able to try to access at least some of the information held within those level four programs that's just the way that i've kind of put together to visualize how all of this works the different levels of knowledge held by various different people and obviously you can imagine within that there are different there's nuance like it's not just one level you know you might say that like say Lou Elizondo might be a level 3.4 you know eric davis might be a level 3.5 you know i'm not saying specifically that but you you get my point there so there is a bit of nuance to it but as i say the thing is when you're wrapped up in the details of this topic as we we all are probably if you listen to this podcast you're probably deep in the details just like i am sometimes it is easy to miss the big picture because we're focused in and zoomed in on these tiny little details which don't get me wrong i think we should look at details but also it's important to take a step back imagine having a discussion with somebody who's not really interested in the ufo topic And you say to them, just an average member of the public, imagine one of you know, if you've got a friend who is not interested in UFOs in the slightest, doesn't know anything about it, you know, imagine going to them and saying, look, you know, the government now, the US government have accepted and, and, and openly admitted that they have top level scientists, top level intelligence officials looking into things to do with UFOs. And I mean that that in itself is absolutely mind-blowing. And then if you say one of these people who ran the government UFO program is now going giving interviews and talking openly about this stuff. Not only that, there's a, gr- a whole group of top-level scientists and physicists and things like that who are actually talking about this and revealing information about materials that they have analyzed and there's a a, a top the top biologist at Stanford University, Gary Nolan, who is who is actively developing different methods and machinery to scan supposed material that has come from UFOs, and that this individual has also acted as an advisor to these government UFO programs over the last ten years. Not only that, you've got a top scientist at Harvard, Avi Loeb, forming his own organization with you know dozens of people now by this point very well funded with millions of dollars to look into this and create new uh, sensor systems and telescopes that are going to try to find more information about this on top of all of that you've got multiple pilots who've uh, reported seeing objects that don't make any sense according to our laws of physics you know i think sometimes if you consider it from that outsider's point of view you would be absolutely mind blown. And if you tried to explain to that outsider, but then there are a few confusing statements coming out of the Pentagon press office, it seems to pale into insignificance, in my opinion, or it should pale into insignificance compared to what the bigger picture actually is there. Um, but again not everybody would agree with that i understand that but that that's kind of how now and again i do try and step back and look at it from that point of view of imagine if you didn't know about all of this stuff and somebody told you about like a summarized version of it like that you would be pretty mind blown and it certainly one thing that i think we can all agree on is that all of this definitely warrants further investigation you know there's too many highly credible people who are fully invested in this and and put their reputations from decades and decades on the line that um you know it's just obvious at this point that, that, that we should be looking into this in a lot more detail whatever it is that you believe is behind it because as we know there are multiple different potential explanations as to what these objects are where they're from you know whatever it is though it's going to be fascinating to find out what it is Anyway just to finish up on speaking of people putting their reputations on the line I also saw a, a tweet from James Fox uh, yesterday which I thought was uh, quite exciting and he really seems to be uh, excited himself about the work that he's been doing recently uh, with it for his new film. So I have mentioned this on the podcast before James Fox is the director and producer of the phenomenon movie which is an absolutely brilliant uh, film it takes a really good angle you know it's not too sensationalist it's very informative very grounded and reasonable way of looking at this topic and he has been working on a new film for quite some time and james fox actually tweeted a couple of days ago our latest film is about an alleged 1996 ufo crash in virginia brazil called moment of contact great name by the way it's coming out later this year as Luella elizondo stated after watching it brace yourself and then he followed that up with a tweet which we really kind of got my heart rate going a little bit which is thanks for all your support and enthusiasm trailer is coming at Around the end of May, as will the exact release date. I'm staking my 30 year reputation on this case, and I seriously doubt you'll be disappointed. I mean, when you consider that the specifics of this particular case involve beings, craft, a military cover up, it's going to be pretty phenomenal, no pun intended, there to to see this film, i can't wait you know that that got me really excited i mean if he's openly coming out and saying that he's staking his 30-year reputation on this case and he's done an entire film just about this one case he's previously said that there's been officials from within the brazilian government who have been willing high-level officials who've been willing to actually appear in the film to give their version of events absolutely fascinated to watch it so that's definitely something to keep an eye on and uh, yeah the trailer end of May so what well, we're looking let me see yeah we're looking about a month from now basically the trailer is going to be out and then uh, around that time that the trailer comes out he's also going to have the exact release date on there as well so super excited to watch that and if anybody's not seen the phenomenon, uh, which was released originally in 2020 and um, highly recommend that you go and watch that it's it's literally the and if you've got any friends who are interested mildly and want to get into this topic and you want to show them uh you know something that's going to kind of kickstart their their journey into this topic that's a hell of a place to start so i recommend it for that reason but anyway We're going to have to leave it there for now. So um, if you've listened all the way through to this point in the podcast, you are a hardcore listener of the podcast. So thank you very much. And, um, always get in touch with me i mean these days there are quite a few messages and i just want to say as well if anybody's listening if you've sent me a message and i've not replied please don't take anything personally i do get a lot of messages these days i love to hear from people i always read every message but sometimes just with life you know i've got two young kids i've got a full-time job and it's it is difficult to you know get back to every single message i try my best uh, as you will probably know if you've sent me a message i generally do reply but um, if i don't get back to you straight away or things like that please don't think i'm being rude it's just you know it sometimes can get a bit swamped with life in general and uh, having all these various different inboxes and stuff like that i'm, I'm basically only on twitter and that's it basically so i don't have an instagram account for the podcast i don't have a facebook i don't have a youtube channel or anything so if you do want to get in touch with me give me a shout on twitter and uh, like i say i will get back to you might just not might just not be straight away and it's always great to hear from people because as i've said before this you know i'm sat here in a little spare room in my house and sometimes it feels like i'm just talking to a wall so it's so cool to hear from people and i get messages from people all across the world who listen to the show and uh it's it's really nice to hear that there are people out there that enjoy listening and especially if you've got any uh, you know interesting footage or if you've got a case to talk about it's always really interesting to hear that as well and anybody who's got you know sensitive information you can send me a secure email via proton mail so it's ufo thinker at protonmail.com and I, I have had some really interesting cases sent to me as well and um, some of the some of which i'm probably going to talk about on the podcast at some point you can remain anonymous i'll never give any information away unless you want me to and um yeah so feel free to get in touch in that regard also just let me know if you like the podcast what your thoughts are on what i've been talking about whether we agree or disagree because i strongly believe that you know we have to be able to disagree in this topic because there's so many different viewpoints and different complex areas to discuss so even if you disagree give me a shout if if there's something that you think i've been factually wrong on let me know and if if you know if i if i um change my mind on something i'll 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 set the record straight on the podcast as well and uh, i I just want to find out what's really going on so i have no ego in that regard i'm always happy to be proven wrong if it means that we get into the truth and you know um yeah, Twitter at UFO Thinker. Give me a shout on there. Um, UFO Thinker at hotmail.com or UFO Thinker at protomail.com for the secure email. And once again, just thank you very much for listening. It's a fantastic journey I've been on since starting the podcast. It, it really amazes me how far we've come. It's been about a year now, essentially. I think round about this time last year was when I started the podcast and uh, it's been a hell of a ride so far made some great friends you know made some good friends learned a lot about the topic and every uh, every week that goes by i learn more and more and it's a it's a, a real fascinating journey to be on so thank you for everybody who listens thank you for all your support and until next time take it easy stay curious and i'll catch you in the next episode UFO Thinker Podcast.